Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining us today, newly crowned world champion, world record holder. We're sitting down with Isaac Cooper. How's it going, man? Hey, good to be here, man. Um, sounds really weird for you to say all those titles about two weeks ago. I didn't have any of them, so that's kind of weird to hear it for the first time. world champs just wrapped up it was a home meet for you in melbourne you know how are you feeling just coming down from that meet and kind of having a couple days for everything to settle in yeah it's pretty wild um i don't i mean it was probably one of the most successful swim meets i've ever had in my career um and i, I don't feel like any different because of it. it doesn't even feel like it's really happened um i was I was honestly just glad that I was able to get up and race to my best of my ability um, after the big year that I've had. Um, and so now I'm just back home with family. Um, and I think that's good coming back to where I grew up as well. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so let's, let's take that back a little bit heading into this meet. Did you have mm -hmm. goals or certain expectations you were trying to hit for yourself? Um, I sort of sat down with my squad mates and I said, I'd done time trials, which have been faster than what I'd done in my previous competitions. I thought if I can hit this time. So I was like, for 100 backstroke, I thought if I could go a 49.8, I'd be pretty happy. I thought for the um, for the 50 backstroke, if I could go 22.7, I'd be pretty happy with that as well. So I sort of had a little bit of an idea about what time I was going to swim, but I've always focused more on the execution than the times. Uh, and I had no idea what the competition was going to be like this year. Um, and it ended up being way quicker than I thought it was going to be. So I just sort of going into it, I just thought if I can sort of do what I've been doing in training all the time, like focus on my execution, my starts, my underwaters, then we'll just sort of see what the results are and whatever they are, I'll be happy with that. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to get to the 50 back cause I want to kind of get to that individually, but, um, the first half of the meet kind of leading up to that mm -hmm. event you know, where would you say you were in terms just mentally and in terms of hitting your races? Cause you won two or three medals up to that point, I think. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that you bring up like how I felt uh, mentally. Cause I think leading into the competition, I felt, I didn't feel a lot of pressure from other people, but I felt that I had created a really high pressure environment for myself. Um, I felt, cause this was my first Australian team since all the drama happened overseas and I was feeling pretty uncomfortable to get back on the team. Uh, and I felt like I needed to prove myself. Um, and so I would be in the marshalling room and I'd be listening to music that would just make, get me like angry and get me fired up. Um, and I felt like while it was good because when you get angry, you can produce a lot of energy and you can often go numb. I feel like it also wasn't swimming for the right reasons. Um, and so sort of leading into the competition with my 100 backstroke, we had the 4 by 50 freestyle as well. Um, I was, I was like, I felt like a bull. Like I was just wanting to race as fast as I could, go all out. Um, and so I think the 50 backstroke after everything, like that was a really weird race, but it also gave me a really new perspective, which I appreciated. 
I mean, tell me a little bit more about that. Cause you know, obviously mm. we, we saw it unfold from our side, you know, there was the starting error. you hit the 22, four and the 50, which, which would have been a new best time world junior record, Oceanian mm. record world champion. Um, and then you do the reswim Murphy comes out on top of that. You have this really incredible <clears throat> moment on the podium where, you know, you're able to just show your emotion and, and show it's like, this is a, it's an upsetting moment you know, whether it's right or wrong, it was just, it was a lot to go through. Um, so yeah. In, in your own words, can you kind of tell me what you feel like you got out, you got out of this situation? Yeah. So I think the exact same thing I went into, so I had broken the junior world record in the semifinal and I knew that I could go faster. Like I knew that I had a little bit left in me. I wanted to break the junior world record. I said to my coach, I said, I'm going to, I'm going to break this record in the, in the semifinal just because I was like, I want to get it out of the way. And thank goodness I did because otherwise I wouldn't <laughs> hold it. Um, but I did the same thing. I had I was in the marshalling room and I was sitting there with my headphones on. I was fully zoned in. I was, I was like, I've gone from being like sent home to having a chance to being to standing on top of the world. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna prove myself, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna swim as fast as I can. And I was behind the blocks and I was like, this is it. This is where you go. And I I did. I mean, I, I went 22, 4, 9. The time was there. It was fully recorded. But as it started, I heard the second buzzer go off. But I've also never heard that sound before. And so in like the split second that I pushed off before I entered the water, I thought they'll drop the 15-meter um, rope if there's an issue. And I then did my underwaters, broke out, and didn't hit the lane, hit, didn't hit the rope. And so I thought, it's fine. And so I then did my full race. I touched the wall, saw that it was a junior record, new Commonwealth record. And I was like, why, why, why is it quiet? Why, why is nobody cheering? <laughs> um, and then they said that we have to re-swim. And I was so upset. I, I, you can't really tell, but I, got, I was so upset. And I got out. <clears throat> my coach came up to me like, head coach the coach who was there the media guys everyone's coming up to me and trying to say you got this you got this and I just wasn't talking I was like I need to stay in this zone that I've that I've managed to get into for the next hour <clears throat> um and then going into the second race I was even more angry like I was I was I was really I was like I keep on getting knocked down I have to be able to prove myself here I have to be able to do it and I wasn't able to do it. I wasn't able to swim quite as fast as I could. But to be honest, like 22-7, I'm not known as someone who can do two races really quickly. I do one race and then throw up and then I take a day to recover. So I was actually really happy with that time. But, you know, I hopped out, didn't do any media, just walked away. My coach came up, said, talk to me. I said, I'm not, I don't want to talk. And I started swimming down before the medal presentation. I just started crying. I started I just couldn't, I started drowning really because I started crying while I was swimming, I started swallowing water. So I was just laying on my back crying. Um, and then I was like, all right, you got a medal ceremony, you got to pull it together. And I thought I was, I was plain faced, still wasn't talking to anyone, sat behind. I was sitting where you wait to get the medals and my coach FaceTimed me um, and I called and I answered it. And I could just see that he was crying and that just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't hold on. I started crying there in front of everyone. Um, and that was a really tough moment there. Um, 
And then I thought, all right, we got the medal ceremony, hold it together again, walked out, did that. And then I saw my parents and I, I felt for them because, you know, they had to go to Commonwealth Games and sit in the stands while I wasn't competing. And I part of the reason I was competing was for them. And I went up to them and gave them a hug and they just sort of said, hold it together. And from them saying, hold it together, I couldn't hold it together. And that's where they got the gross photo of me crying as I was walking across the pool. Uh, but if you watch the footage back, you'll also see I sort of have a little smile towards the end because the crowd was so supportive and and um, and cheering. Um, and, and that was that was a really tough night. I just I just didn't talk to anyone at all. Um, I'll just keep on going about this, but <laughs> I didn't really talk to anyone at all. Um, I, and I went back to the room and I was rooming with Kyle and I was, I just was devastated. Like I wasn't, I wasn't angry anymore. I wasn't, I wasn't mad at an official. I wasn't mad at Ryan. And I actually had so much respect towards Ryan because before this, I hadn't really ever spoken to him, but he showed so much support and showed true sportsmanship. And that, I mean, that was incredible to me. Um, but I then went to bed. I could barely sleep. I was I was just so upset. And then the next morning I woke up and I was still upset. I went and sat down, had breakfast by myself. Didn't I didn't want to compete. I, I knew I had to do two more races that day uh, for the relay. I didn't want to do it. Like I actually wanted to go home. Um, and I just went to the team room and I still wasn't talking to anyone. Everyone was coming up to me, but I didn't want to talk to anyone. And I, and I don't know what I did. It was really strange, but there was a big speaker in the corner. And I didn't say anything. I just went up, connected to the speaker and started playing some of my music. And it just, I just switched, completely switched. I just somehow pushed all of the previous night away and said, I have got two more races, two more events, probably four more races. I need to swim for my country, for my family, for myself. I need to be able to put all this behind me. And I, I just switched. And it, it was so weird because I didn't know that I, I said to Kyle because I think I think there's something something yeah I think there's something wrong with me because I'm processing this way too well um but then leading into the rest of the competition I was I was happy I was really happy I thought I thought I don't really need to put any pressure on myself because I was putting more pressure on the individuals now I just have to swim for my team and if you look at my last race my last race was actually my fastest one and it was a PB in the 100 backstroke. I couldn't believe it. I've been feeling horrendous. I was so exhausted. Um, and so I was just really glad that I was able to pull myself from this angry, resentful, vengeful state to them being knocked down and being so devastated by this race that I've n I didn't even know could happen to them being able to bring myself up and then race not for myself but for everyone around me. And that ended up bringing me a world – bringing the team a world record. Um and so yeah, it was just it was a real emotional roller coaster. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I need to like Sorry, take a breath. A that was <laughs> that was that was incredible. I mean, thank you for sharing all of that because I I just I felt like I was on the journey with you, you know. I mean, that was just from from watching on the outside. Obviously, we don't have all of the insight of of what you're going through. We just see what's happening and the results and Man, yeah. I mean, I, I felt like I was there just now. So thank you for sharing okay. all of that.
Um, <clears throat> so we, I talked to Kyle yesterday and oh, really? he, yeah. And he, he mentioned that he was your roommate and he, he mentioned kind of like you said, like you, you might not be known for, for being able to like back up swims, you know, you might, <laughs> that might not be your specialty, but he's like, Isaac's Isaac's mental game is like the strongest I've ever seen. You know, it's like once, once he gets in the race, like that's his superpower. Um, I mean, do you feel, would you agree with that assessment that, that, that is one of your best assets? Kyle's so sweet. I'm going to have to send him a message and say, thank you. Um, I think that, yeah, I would definitely, I'm, I'm really competitive. <laughs> and so I don't want to get into any race and get beaten. And, and I think Carl is the exact same. And that's why he's such a good anchor is because he doesn't care how far behind he is. He may not necessarily want to win, but he doesn't want to lose and, and he'll do anything he can to not lose. And, and I'm the same. So I think leading into any race, no matter what it is, I could be playing table tennis with my little brother, or I could be in front of the world stage. I'm going to get just as nervous, just as competitive. Um, and so I think because I, I do enjoy racing. It's good because I don't, I don't get, I don't freak out behind the blocks too much. Um, and I can just sort of bring the best out of myself because it's racing's what I love to do. Yeah. <clears throat> um, do you feel like you've been able to hone that as, oh, especially over the last year, as you've kind of moved up in, in the world stage and, you know, gotten to compete at some of these higher level meets? Yeah. Um, definitely. Well, my first race was my first international competition was in Tokyo. Um, and that's a really big jump to go from no international meet to competing at Tokyo. Um, and I could honestly say that I've been more nervous at States at States in Brisbane than I was in Tokyo. Um, and so I think if you, if you can just channel the energy, like, I get physical pain from the adrenaline running through my hands. Like it, it feels so uncomfortable but I'm like, it's good. Like I, I can use that energy then. Um, but I mean, the more international competitions, I feel like I can get better at it. And obviously we have you know time trials. We have main sessions at training. And if you can just, if you're able to switch into that um, competitive mindset during training, then it's the same as being able to go to an international race if you can do it properly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So you go to the Olympics at a young age. Um, and then you alluded to this before you go to Commonwealth games, you make the team and then you're, you're ultimately sent home from that. Um, can you tell me about how, how you processed that event or that course of events and and how you were able to move forward? And ultimately, you know, you you mentioned having kind of this chip on your shoulder heading into short course worlds, but what do you feel like Mm. you walked away from that with? Um, yeah, so I wasn't, I didn't go to Tokyo. I didn't plan to go to Tokyo. I had planned for my first international competition to be Commonwealth Games. And so for me to be able to go to Tokyo was like a wonderful first step into the Australian team. And and it was a wonderful opportunity. It's probably the best way to get onto the first team. Um, but, you know, then I sort of thought, I, I knew that I had the ability to stay on the Australian team for a long time. And so I created this, and, and also once you make the team, then you start to get paid. And so I moved out of home when I was pretty young and I realized that I need to be on the Australian team in order to make my money. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
And so I then, you know, didn't, I started swimming again for the wrong reasons. Uh, I was just swimming because I needed to make the team because then I started, then I kept getting paid. Um, and so I felt like for going to Worlds and going for Com Games, I, I still wasn't going there for the right reasons. Um, and then once I got sent home from Commonwealth Games, it was just, I, I, I don't even know how to process it. And I've had so long to process it. It, it was just devastating. And I was so, I felt like I had completely hit a reset on my, on my career. Um, and I felt like when I come home to my little small town of Bundaberg, I used to walk around, see my friends and they knew me, they'd smile. And now I felt like I was walking around and everyone was looking at me ashamed of what I had done. Um, and I, I, I moved locations. I went from Brisbane to Sunshine Coast. So, you know, you're going from a city to sort of a more coastal beachy vibe. Um, and I started training with Ash Delaney. And Ash Delaney, but for Mitch Larkin, would have been the best backstroker Australia's ever had. Um, and so having him there, he understands what it's like to be an athlete and he understands the sort of pressures that we have on the team and competing and, and off the, and off the team as well. And now he's also a coach. So he understands how to, how to be an athlete, how to be a person, how to be a coach. And he can just sort of give a really well-rounded view. Um, and so I just sort of thought I can either let me being sent home be the end of my career which was my initial reaction, or I can let it be a part of my story. Um, and and it, it should be a good story if I'm able to pull myself out of the depths like this. Um, and I and I think that I've done that coming through Worlds. I think I originally went into it again with the wrong intentions, but I've learned, I learned so much and I'm almost grateful for that 50 backstroke because as I said, it, it gave me a completely new perspective on how to approach competition, how to approach a career, and also just how to you know approach training as well. Because if I'm swimming because I want to swim, because I want to compete, not for myself, but for my family, for my team, then I think that's I think that's gonna bring out the best in me and it's not gonna be a toxic sort of environment. Absolutely. Uh, did you make the move to the Sunshine Coast? after the commonwealth games incident yeah so i my old coach was overseas with me and when he mm. found out that i was being sent home he said that he felt like he had done all he could do for me um and he recommended that i move squads um and i sort of spoke to i spoke to the head coach of queensland and um and swimming australia and i just sort of was like these are some of the places that I think that I could go. What do you think? And none of them were St. Andrews, which is where I currently swim. I just went there um, because of a, because Kyle was going there for a training camp and Kyle said, do you want to join me? And I just went there and I just fell in love with it. I just thought this has so much more to offer than these massive hubs, just because it's so like Ash knows about what he's talking, knows what he's talking about way more than any coach I've seen before. And so I thought, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. It may not be the greatest facilities, but these the facilities can develop, whereas this coach is here and he's going to be good and he's always going to be good. I'm going to make this decision. That's great. Uh, so so what 
what is it that stands out to you about Ash's coaching style um, and that <laughs> that uh, training group at St. Andrews? What works for you? Look, it's not, I wouldn't say it's insanely different, but I think things that stand out from my previous coach to Ash is if I do, say I'm doing four 15s underwater, max effort breakout, you know, just working on the skills. <clears throat> Ash will be able to look at it and know that realistically over four, you can't, you can't do max. You can't do four max. You're going to start to die. You're going to have to pace it. And he's able to look at the technique and he's going to say, I've done this technique before. I've done this sort of swimming before. These are sort of the cues that I used um, as an athlete. Maybe they'll work for you. Um, and while Damo knew the technique, he didn't always know how to get it across. Whereas Ash has done it. Like he's actually learned how to do it himself and he knows the cues and can then give the cues in order to work through these, these 15s and work through these breakouts, like raise your right shoulder or keep you lift your hips up or something like that. It's not just, you need to have a better breakout. He just, he understands it from an athlete's perspective. Uh, what is the squad like there? <clears throat> Do you have a big training group or is it just, just you and a few other people? Um, so there were probably 12 people when I first went there. Um, and then a couple of people left. We've had Benny Hance uh, and Ruby Storm come in. They're both para world record holders. Um, and so it's great to sort of have these guys come in and train with us. But it's, it's just everyone there. <clears throat> I'm probably the youngest in the squad but for two people, but everyone there is there because they, what they enjoy swimming. They want to swim. They're not there because they have to make an Australian team. They're not there because they have to get an international medal. They're just there because they, they want to swim. Um, and these guys are great trainers as well. I mean, Jez Gorman, one of the, the freestylers I train with, he beats me in training all the time. Um, and so it's awesome to be able to train with him and have someone to race against. Uh, and Lewis Blackburn, who's the backstroker there, he matches me for backstroking training all the time. Um, and so it's it's not they're not really well known athletes, but these guys can train the house down. Um, and so they'll bring out the best of me competitively in the pool, but also out of the pool. They're just you know great to hang around, good vibes. Um, and you know I think that's what I need. Yeah. What to, you kind of alluded to earlier with your example of, of four fifteens, uh, but what what would you say your style of training is, or how do you train? You know, I think at the moment I don't really. Uh, I after Com Games I was probably seventy two kilos, and I and I um I I lose a lot of weight in competition as well because I'm throwing up. I feel sick. You know, there's all this stuff going on. I just don't eat a lot, and so I'd go into competitions at like seventy five kilos. And then come out at about 72, 71. And so we were like, we need to put some muscle on you and then teach you how to hold it. And so I just went on a, on a really big bulking season and I love it. I love doing gym. So it was all, I'm all for it. Um, and I hit 81 and a half kilos probably two weeks out from Worlds. And I managed to hold around. I've been about 78 throughout the whole competition. But we just. <clears throat> I, when I was younger, I used to do 8K sessions. I used to do 8 8K sessions, no gym at all. And then I went to Toowoomba Grammar School and I just did eight gym sessions and three swim sessions. Um, <laughs> and now we sort of have found the balance. Um, yeah, I was just uh, trying to get cute. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, but now I've found the balance. I do about three gym sessions. We don't do a lot of kilometers. Um, but for me, I'm very much a sprinter. I'm a front-end speed swimmer. And so if the main sets that we do are mostly just front-end speed because if I can learn how to do the front-end speed easier, then the back-end speed will just come naturally from all the aerobic training that we've been doing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> nice. I mean, that sounds like a good deal. Uh, and then in terms of just living in the Sunshine Coast, um, how do you like it compared to where you were before? Yeah. Look, I really like Brisbane because there's, I mean, it's a big city. It's, there's, there's clubs, there's tons of people, there's shops. You can do whatever you want to do. You, you can always stay busy. Um, whereas the sunny coast is much quieter. You've got you got the surf, not too many clubs. And while I do really like Brisbane, I feel like it's just not the right time for me at the moment because I could get so distracted so easily. Whereas if I come here, it's nice and quiet. It helps for recovery. If I want to go for a surf, I can just grab my board, go for a surf it's five minutes down the road. Um, and that's, you know, as I like to say, it's a little bit of my training if I'm going surfing, building that aerobic capacity. That's why, at least that's what I tell my coach. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I just, I think it's a way better environment that can bring the best out in a professional athlete. So moving forward, um, you know, by all accounts, you had this this great, uh, successful short course world championships. Um, yeah. What's your relationship like short course compared to long course? And obviously with long course worlds coming up this summer, um, you know, how do you feel about the two? Well, I actually, I'm not really sure because I haven't done short course in maybe three years. And so all of my previous PBs were from when I was like 14. Um, and so I would think that I, I think that I did exceptionally well at, um, well, at well, short course, but I also wouldn't say that I had the best turns or the best starts or the best underwaters. Um, but, um, but I, um, I think that I have pretty good swim speed. Um, but not also not the best. Like if you watch the current world record holder long course hundred backstroke, he's just flies away. So I think that I'm pretty even across short course and long course. I, I don't excel at anything. I'm just good at a little bit of everything. Um, so if we can, you know, develop that swim speed, then I feel like my long course should be just as successful as my short course. Yeah. Uh, well, Isaac, I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat and <clears throat> just diving in into to all, all sorts of topics. Um, it's been great. Yeah. It's been great getting your perspective on it. Um, any, any parting thoughts before we sign off today? No, I just want to say thank you. I mean, I, I feel like I have a good story to tell and I feel like you can also help a lot of people if they can learn from mistakes that I've made and also gain from the successes that I have had. Um, so if I'm able to help some other people and that'll be great. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.